You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Before we get started today with T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D-M-I-N-I-H-M-P-L, we wanted to offer a bit of an update on MVM and the story of Edgeward Montgomery. A few weeks ago, you might remember that Edgeward Montgomery gave an audio tour of his film restoration facility. And in that audio, we discovered that him and his associates had a very uh, unhygienic way of restoring classic films. When local law enforcement got whiff, the, the, mean, meaning like a meaning like they, well, when they heard, they didn't actually smell it. That'd be disgusting if they smelled what the fuck Edward Montgomery and those boys were doing in that factory, because that is fucked up. But whiff here means, of course, when when uh, one of our 19 listeners tipped off local Largo, Maryland law enforcement, they arrested Edward Montgomery and found something terrible inside the facility. Quiet, quiet down, everyone. First off, the personnel of the State Crime Lab in Lago, Maryland, deserve special recognition. Evidence collected by investigators has been examined and analyzed by the forensic scientists there, who from the beginning gave this case the highest priority. There is still more evidence to come. No pun intended, please note that. And I think some of it will enhance the state's case when the report is issued. Since probable cause affidavits are traditionally considered public record in this county, they contain all of the information that we prepared and that the judge took into account in determining that there was probable cause to arrest Mr. Montgomery. So I will not be commenting right now on any of the evidence as part of this statement. I also advise everybody that my ability to discuss the evidence in this case is severely circumcised, circumscribed by the Supreme Court, court court rules, and everything out there is pubic knowledge, public, public knowledge, and I probably won't add much to it. Now, Montgomery's lawyers have much to say about how, and more importantly, why Mr. Edward Montgomery ran a cum factory operation for the last 25 years. Blaming another person is the defense lawyer's stock and trade. I know, I did it for 20 years, and I suspect that's what they will do. Mr. Montgomery and his associates, all 18 men at the bottom of that vat of hot semen, jerked it on their own accord across several video classics from the 1980s and 1990s. No one tugged their dicks for them. Mr. Montgomery will not be released from jail. He is charged with coming on videotapes and drowning his associates in hot, sticky cum and has not posted the bond. That was charged some time ago, and he will remain in jail until he posts that bond or until his trial. Basically, we received additional evidence that convinced me that grand jury consideration was not necessary. We've got some information from the laboratory, but we don't by any means have all of it. We have a great deal of it, and the evidence convinced me that now is the time to act. Hence, we are here this morning. My job, according to the rules, I am a minister of justice, and I have to consider both sides at all times. When you're in a cummy murder investigation and somebody stands up and says, 
I did it. I came all over the place. I came all over Heavy Metal Parking Lot, and the Return of Swamp Thing, and the Peanut Butter Solution, and Phobe. Oh, and I drowned my shitty redneck boy cousins in semen. Then all of the attention of that investigation immediately shifts to that person, and efforts are made to corroborate the information he provided. Mr. Montgomery is not particularly articulate, and sometimes it was difficult to understand what he was saying. But those tapes provided to the SOV podcast, without a doubt, highlight an operation of extreme question and illustrate the depravity in which Mr. Montgomery's mind operates. The state will argue that Edward Montgomery led a cum-cult VHS operation and ordered his subordinates to commit an act of bukake harakiri of sorts in order to maintain some sort of pervy honor instead of getting arrested and brought to justice. With Mr. Montgomery now in custody under Maryland state law, his trial must begin within six months. Justice, as it is in all our great state's cases, will be swift and fair. That cum lord will pay for his crimes. With that, I must conclude this press conference. Thank you. We here at Screaming Pods Network in T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D. The T-H-E stands for the... We... We'll keep you updated on the the trial of Edward Montgomery if we hear anything uh, throughout the next year. We're not going to be uh, digging into it too much on our own because he's kind of a skeezy pervert and we don't typically fuck around with skeezy perverts. But if we hear anything, we will let you know. Uh, finally, before we get started, we did want to offer a bit of an update on the passing of Sarah fucking Kennig. Um <sighs> Addiction's a bitch, um, and sometimes bitches get addicted, <laughs> and and she wouldn't mind me saying that, you know, we we kidded around like that, but <sighs> oh, so fucking Craig. I can't feel my body. Hello, it's holy Sarah? fucking shit. That bitch, Sarah, is that you? Totally. Your white noise. Your Michael Keaton dead wife-ish thing from White Noise, the movie White Noise. Or is this more of like Mothman prophecies? You the Mothman? I have a girlfriend. Her name's Sarah fucking Kennick, and she is the Mothman. I hear you, sweetheart. I'm fucking dead. Fuck you, my girl. It's so fault. I hear you, love. Come to me during today's show. Come to me, Sarah Kennick. I dedicate this episode oh, to you. That means I'm not in jail. Not, not NVM. That's kind of fucking gross. All right. On with, on with the show. Sarah, come to me. Sarah, come to me.
Unsuspecting victims. We're courtroom buddies, that's the best kind. Nobody fucks with a friend of mine. I love him when he's happy. Well, I cry when he's blue. I mean, what do you usually do when you go to a heavy metal concert? I've never been to one. Really? <laughs> You've never been to a heavy She's metal concert? She's in for a treat. <laughs> no. Really? No. Well, been drinking, having a good time? Yeah. What do you, you want to say? <laughs> what have you been drinking? Jack Daniels and Coop. What else? Rum. <laughs> okay, do this, Bracey. Play your heart out tonight for all these kids, okay? All right. Stephanie. <coughs> yes. Stephanie. Hello. Stephanie. Yo. Have you ever suspected you were going to be puked on? Uh-huh. And what did you do? Well... You didn't specify because I experienced this with cats and humans, more so with cats. When it happens with cats, I gingerly pick them up and put them on like a tile flooring or something. Uh, with people, um, I don't know because here's the thing. Sometimes you have a warning, okay? And sometimes you're unsuspecting. Unsub you're not suspecting any puke. You're and then what um, can you do? You, Stephanie, you're unsuspecting. You're, I'm unsuspecting from vomit. But no, I'm know? asking if you are... I'm going to get covered in puke and some rando dude is going to laugh at me. And that's the price we pay to hang out in a heavy mile parking lot sometimes. Stephanie? Yo. Have you ever puked on unsuspecting people? Victims? Um, I threw up on a slot machine once that, uh, Michael Jackson one, it was not suspecting anything. Um, I probably did as a kid and I passed out on a boy I had a crush on in middle school, but beyond that, no. Can float through the fucking walls. How about I you? I can't play on the next minute. No. What? Oh no, I don't, I don't puke. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I really don't puke that there is a, uh, a bit on how I met your mother where they were like years ago where it was like vomit three since 93 or they had like some little cute rhyme like that. 
Quickly, you all forget. I haven't puked since high school. I am vomit-free since 93. Vomit-free since 93. <laughs> That's funny. I'm funny. Robin, have I ever told you that I am vomit-free since 93? Listen, Ted, I can't really talk right... 93? Dude, that's impressive. And I... I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> threw up? Ah, my streak is over. Vomit-free since 05 doesn't sound good. I came in here because I thought I was gonna throw up. Did you? I did not. <laughs> and the streak continues. Vomit-free since 93. <laughs> Sorry, Trudy, go on. But uh, I, I literally uh, have maybe thrown up one time in my entire life. And I'm, and I'm saying that just to sound normal. Just so you don't think I'm like Bruce Willis in Unbreakable if you're keeping track of all the references. Good references. This is what his employee shelf at the video store would look like, everybody. Yeah, it's heavyweights, Unbreakable. Idiots, make it happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Um... No. No, I don't puke. I don't puke. Okay. Um, and I have... I've... No, I don't puke. I don't want to keep... Oh, but I... You know what? I can make a good puke sound. No, thank you. Okay. Hit play. <laughs> Hit play in the next minute. <laughs> hey. Oh, oh my God! you, Glenn Tipton, we love you. Glenn Tipton, we love you. We want to fuck your brains out. Is that what? What are Jim's brothers' names? Robert Halpert and Rob Halpert. Can ghosts drink? It is, or you right? can it's look Jim. it up on the Office Wiki. I it, it, no one, no one. You asked me, I, you're I, gonna I'm, get whatever bullshit I make up. I'm sorry. I know. And look, John, uh, a quiet place Krasinski probably doesn't even remember. No, his his brother's name. All right, so. Uh, look, Glenn Tipton, mm-hmm. he's, he's on, he's on the, the fuck list, uh, for this minute. Glenn Tipton's the one they want to fuck this minute. It's not Rob Halper. No, they, they've moved beyond the lead singer. Of course, it's the guitarist, but it's not that. If I'm a ghost, can I have some booty? Are you there? Hold on. Yeah, sorry, I was getting a call at the same time. Ooh. Um... Let's start this minute over. You you do this minute. You start it off. <laughs> okay. Just let me know You're better when. better than me. I don't... Go. Okay, you just... Uh, you, I can hear you, but you sound different. Do I? 
Yeah, you kind of sound like you're at the bottom of a well. Where do I go? Okay, how about now? But, I mean, I can hear you fine, so if you, if you can hear me fine, it's not a big deal. I have so many questions. Okay, I can hear you great. Okay. Well, this one, right. uh, real quick, there's an older guy. He has to be pushing, like, 60, and he just says to the camera, Judas Priest, play your heart out for these kids. And I think that's kind of our redemption from Timmy Love Judas Priest. That's like our heartwarming moment where we know everything's going to be okay. And then we run into some more suburban-looking girls who let it be known that, Glenn Tipton, we want to fuck your brains out. I don't know. I think they really would just fuck him, though. Like, if he showed up right then, they would just fuck him. Like, both of them at the same time? I, I think so, absolutely. Teamwork? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem work. But it makes the dream work. Am I right? High five. You're right. Um, <laughs> Stephanie, in, in the movie Rockstar 2001... Sorry, Mr. Street. Did you ever look at someone else and think if only you had their life, you'd have it all? Look at how cool this is. Signed by all five band members of Steel Dragon. You know what the sickest thing is about you, little man? You fantasize about being somebody else, singing somebody else's songs. Oh, maybe if I get really lucky, I'll get to grow up and listen to Air Supply and wear jackboots like you. What's wrong with Air Supply? We're tired of just being a cover band. We started this because we love playing Dragon Tunes. You're gone, man. Am I being kicked out of the group that I started? Let's go. Hello. This is Kurt Cuddy. I play in a band called Steel Dragon. Ricky, you know your English accent is almost as lame as your guitar playing? Well, I can't do much about the accent. What do you suggest to do about my playing? Who is this? We're auditioning for a new lead singer. The good Lord has given you a hell of a voice. Do you want the gig, then? You know, just a regular guy who grew up with the posters of these guys on my walls. And now I'm one of them! He's a rock star now. The normal rules don't apply. How does it feel to know that everyone loves you? You're gonna be great, babe. Perfect insanity, man. Your job is to live the fantasy other people only dream about. Give me some rock star attitude. That's better. Try one with no smile. All these girls have play every day. We're gonna have some mad good times. We combed this entire planet and we found a star waiting to be discovered. The first time I laid eyes on you, I said that guy is going all the way. In the movie Rockstar 2001, starring not a total piece of shit Mark Wahlberg, just kidding, he's a total piece of shit, uh, it's sort of kind of not really based on uh, the replacement of the, the Rob Halford uh, singer. In, in the band. What, are they called Dragon Sound? Is Dragon Sound the name of the band from Rockstar? Dragon Sound? I think it's still... I'm not going to come on you. No, it's Fever Dog. Stillwater. It, the band's Fever Dog, I'm it's sorry. It's Fever Dog? Yeah. In the, but Fever Dog sings Stillwater. 
Okay, I'm still right. Like more than one no, thing not, can exist. You're not you're not wrong. Last name first, first name last. I got you. All right, but in in the movie, do you know who plays the Glenn Tipton part? <sighs> it's not Jennifer Aniston, is it? No, it's not Jennifer Aniston, is it? All right, lay it on me. Timothy Oliphant. you love that guy like I get weird texts from you about like how attracted you are to him yeah 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 Timothy Oliphant so when I watch Heavy Metal Parking Lot and when they say Glenn Tipton we want to fuck your brains out instead of look I know it would be (sighs) most people would be like oh I'm gonna imagine they're saying my name like Michael Laney we want to fuck your brains out but I don't do that. I think of Rockstar 2001 starring total piece of shit Mark Wahlberg. I think I think they're saying, Timothy Oliphant, we want to fuck your brains out. And then, that's my sexuality. That's, that's... Are you okay? Are you okay? I, I look, girl... My doctor called. He says I need a new diet. I'm going to be on the Santa Clarita diet. Oh, boy. What do you think it's like that you reach a point in whatever your craft is that you could walk out in a parking lot and, like, at least dozens of people would immediately have sex with you? No questions asked. I'm going to make you come. What do I think that's like? Yes. Wednesday. This is why I ask you questions. You give me the scoop. <laughs> you give me two scoops, and that's why I'm here. Oh, I I I don't know. Putting one on time I uh, one time I saw uh, one time I saw Brian Dennehy. I know you like Ooh, Brian Dennehy, it. so that's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm sharing this. I saw Brian Dennehy uh come out after a play. I didn't get to see the play because I'm poor. But I was in San Francisco, and that's one of the cities where, you know, sometimes you can kind of sort of see a famous person, uh, just whatever, walking around. But it was raining, and Brian Dennehy was coming out after a play uh, at the Orpheum, and he had his umbrella guy holding. And I swear to God, the guy holding his umbrella was Bob Balaban, but uh, that would be weird. That's when you know but you've I made it. To- I swear to God, it was Bob Balaban. But uh, I saw Dennehy coming out. And, like, just hiding under the umbrella. But there were people waiting by the backstage exit. And, like, he got out incognito. And I was like, you fucking liars. You're telling me you 12 pieces of shit wouldn't fuck Brian Dennehy right here, right now on Market Street? 422. No, you're right. So, okay, do you think that Heavy Mall Parking Lot is, like, our last bastion of honesty? Like, it's our id. This is, like, our lizard brain. This is the hotbed of, like, human, physical, emotional honesty. And the rest of us are just, like, we're just, like, children in raincoats. We're just, like, playing. But these kids, like, they know. You know? So. I saw a searing documentary in 2002 called The Real Cancun, 
Oh. Is that the one that uses the same font as a If you feel your bees vibrating, yeah, I think, I think it does. that's my ghost breath on your sick. They're very lazy with their uh, font choices uh, post Nah, man, you got a brand. Like... You got to brand. Maybe you shouldn't get If the movie Donkey Punch didn't use the much. same font, then they really missed it. Because like, you're the reason you're dead. <laughs> hit, hit play on the next minute. I want to... <gasps> you asshole. Everybody else, you're definitely dynamite. Let's rock, okay? All right! Please rock and roll forever. Yeah, please roll! I'm Kelly McCullers and Don't Drink and Drive with the Judas Priest concert. Get oh. away from me, please. <laughs> I I didn't take notes for the last minute, so the sound you're going to hear now is my my notes. If I didn't come on this stupid SLV podcast, I would have never drank too much and admitted my fucking murder. I wrote down something about, uh, is his name Ian Hill, the the bassist, you know? Yeah. For for Judas Priest. (laughs) And I remember there was like a, like a, a person, like a younger person. Look, he looked 37 years old, but... That probably means he was 18 or 19, but he looks at the camera. He's like, Ian Hill, what as a former bassist, I'm a, I'm very inspired by Ian Hill. I'm like, you're so fucking inspired that you quit being a fucking bassist. I I, I just kind of felt that was a downer for the legacy of, uh, of Mr. Hill. And then all I wrote down was like bassist, uh, old kid Hill. And then uh, the producers are serious. And then I, I think we just get taken out with the uh, concert footage. No, wow! You just give me a microphone. For one thing, that that young old man uh, was only wearing suspenders because I guess his hairy chest was enough, and he had a star David nestled into it, which I I think gave him like an air of authenticity. But I say that because I'm racist. And then uh, that there's this pretty blonde girl that they, they talked to earlier, and she appears again to tell everybody not to drink and drive. And then some, like, young guys try to pop their heads into frame, and she's like, get away from me, please. And then the, it ends. And that's what it ends on. Were the girls that say don't drink and drive, were they part of the Timmy Love? No, Street? no, they were both off together. Huh. It was the girl, the blonde girl, and the brunette. Yeah, and you skip the Judas Priest is number one kid who takes out his teeth. Did I? Yeah, you did. Do you do you need to say something and tell me where it goes? Um, it's right before the puking on unsuspecting people part. All right, take take a minute and talk about. Oh, that. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Well, okay, so there have been two black guys in a sea of white people, uh, but we also get um, a group who 
I don't remember if they said where they were from, but I don't think they were from Virginia. Now I do sound racist. <laughs> my family ghost ass is on Twitter. And Mike, you said my name on your goddamn fucking knowledge. It's coming. Is it so you know who to stay away from? <laughs> um. Come on, motherfucker. If you were crossing the street late at night and you saw two people from Virginia on the other side of the street, would you be more or less likely to uh, to cross by by those people? Are they playing bluegrass? Because that's going to factor that's, into it pretty heavily. I thought, look, I thought I was going to give you a second here to redeem yourself. <laughs> and you could say, well, is it West Virginia? That's the joke as you go. Is it West Virginia? Because we know that people from West Virginia are fine. Is it a mountain the mama? From Virginia. You got <laughs> what? Mountain llama? <laughs> mountain mama. Take me home. Almost heaven. West Virginia. Blue Ridge Mountains. Shenandoah River. Life is older, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, growing like a breeze, country roads, take me home, to the place I belong, West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home. Can I go into their soul? Maybe I will have the band of Nick the Wing, but I will make him wander out into the world, naked, and hear him masturbate furiously in front of oncoming traffic. Oh, come on, man. I don't want your fucking ass like that.
How come that country road song was in every movie last year? I don't know. That's the zeitgeist, you know- man. You, Did you notice that? You pick one song, and that's the only song you can like and use for one year. You gotta get in early. King- Kingsman 2 is like, Country Road, Take Me Home. Lo- Logan Lucky was like, Country Road, Take Me Home. Fucking Alien Covenant, of all motherfucking things, was like, Country Road, Nobody Take Me Home. Nobody took home. Okay. It's like, bitch, I'm fucking home. <laughs> I'm not going out again for your Country Road. I'm staying. Take my keys. Put them in the fishbowl over there. Let's ice storm some shit. I want to go home with someone else now. Country Road, take me home with her. Yeah. Ice Storm is available on Criterion DVD and Blu-ray. It could be purchased directly from the website for $31.99 <laughs> with free shipping for all orders over $50. This episode of not, THE it was, it was a shot on video. Oh, God. Shit. Fuck. Stephanie. Yeah. How the fuck do I get back to California? You, you gave me this fucking glove. Uh-huh. You, you, you gave me the cute little rhyme. And then we watched this videotape mm-hmm. from a one Nicolas Cage. And how do I how do I get home? Do I take a country country road? You, you take a country road from parking lot to parking lot. You are going to meet Miss America on your way home sir it's gonna be a long journey but sweet jesus it's gonna be a fruitful one stephanie i'm gonna miss you you know like uh walmart will will let you park your rv overnight for free they won't hassle you or anything so stephanie i'm gonna miss you so much yeah it's okay where can i find you where do i hear you um you know Wait, are you not plugging Sean's show because you're racist? Yeah. I don't like white guys from California, Mike. I just don't like it. Um, I'm usually on the Screamcast. um, And I've been told I do too many other podcasts. And I'll... Yeah, this is this is one of them. Well, the you, you know, and then uh, oh, should I? I'm gonna chap your nuts a little bit for doing too many podcasts. Stephanie, you do too many podcasts. Yeah, you should do more. What? You should do more. What? You should do more. Like cancel it out. You should do more. Mm. We'll see what the public says. Anyway, I don't know exactly when this episode is dropping, but I am sure the week that it drops, you can hear Stephanie on 19 episodes of F This Movie, 13 episodes of Just the Discs, in which she covers the entire filmography of Willie Ames. She is also going to be appearing on the next 17 years of the Screamcast, and of course, at... uh, indeterminate amount of time you know how many of these am i gonna be on huh huh how many of these am i gonna be on how many soft pods do i got coming oh infinity wars you could do as many as you want yeah so i'm i'm gonna take the country road home all right Mm -hmm. i will i will stay in parking lots across america for miss stephanie crawford and uh everyone here at uh the, the Screaming Pods Network. This is Mike D. saying, <gasps> Judas Priest is number one.
Something's just been wrong. stories. getting the most pleasure possible from our restoration of heavy metal parking lot. So much of ourselves went into making sure this film looks and sounds as pristine as it does today. But here at Montgomery Video and Mortgage, We are not only satisfied to come up with ways to purify films of the past. We also like to provide supplemental material for the truest of fans. Which is why I would... I thought maybe I would get, like, sucked up into heaven or something. But I just... I'm just wandering around. This piece is entitled The Deranged True Story of Heavy Metal Parking Lot The Citizen Kane of Wasted Teenage Metalness Suburban dirt balls of the 1980s are a lost culture worthy of academic study that disappeared abruptly, leaving mysterious artifacts for future generations to work over. Think of them as, say, the ancient Mayans, only with mullets. This, at least, is the judgment of the University of Maryland, where researchers recently scooped up the source materials for heavy metal parking lot. The nineteen metal's underbelly. Mm, say that phrase again. Metal's underbelly. As efficiently and shockingly as the Zapruder film caught the end of Camelot. The movie is a really fascinating primary source, 
says Laura Schnitka, an ethnomusicologist and curator for the libraries at the University of Maryland, explaining the school's push to procure the heavy metal parking lot papers. Like Elvis? You're getting a first-hand look at a community, a subculture from a very musically specific time in history. The heavy metal years were quite something in the history of popular music. Elvis is around, right? Well, ghosts, is there any other ghosts around here? Fascinating. Fuck. And kind of sucks. Working class culture that shares a love of a certain kind of music. Repelling, asks the journalist. That means repulsive, says the social scientist. Right. In that case, heavy metal parking lot, thirty years after it was made, remains repelling as all get out in the most charming, hilarious, and fascinating ways possible. This fifteen-minute movie was drawn entirely from footage shot by budding filmmakers Jeff Krulik and John Hayne in the parking lot of the Capitol Center in what is now Landover, Maryland, as Judas Priest fans pre-gamed for a show. It has no plot, no beginning, middle, or end. And other than during the opening scene and closing credits, no Judas Priest. Neither does it have any worries. That thing is the Citizen Kane of wasted teenage metalness, says Rick Ballard, who makes a brief appearance as part of a gang yelling curses at the movie makers. Like most of the heavy metal parking lot cast, Ballard only found out he was in the movie long after he'd grown up, in his case, to be the boss of his own record label. Krulik and Hain never had any distribution network or marketing plan for the project, yet it nevertheless became an underground sensation through word of mouth. Mouth. By the mid-1990s, you were as likely to find a VHS copy of Heavy Metal Parking Lot on a touring rock band's bus as you were the King James Bible in a motel room. This singular document of metal's heyday got talked up by, among others, Nirvana, the very combo credited, or blamed, for killing that era by ushering in grunge, and whose members' stamp of approval gave heavy metal parking lot the sort of credibility in certain rock circles that Pope Francis's endorsement gave Mother Teresa's sainthood campaign. All these years later, it's possible to rebuild the chain of custody and show exactly how a tape made it from Krulik to Kurt Cobain. It's standing as a viral video years before there was such a thing as viral video was the focus when the movie makers hosted a panel discussion 
at South by Southwest in Austin, and its seminal virality is among the things that made HMPL attractive to the academic types at the University of Maryland. What we have now is this incredible body of anthropological studies that also happens to be extremely entertaining and very funny, says Jim Healy, who runs the University of Wisconsin's Cinematique program, dedicated to connoisseurs of obscure movies. If you want to see how a certain demographic looked and behaved in 1986, watch Heavy Metal Parking Lot. While on safari through that concrete jungle outside the capital center, Krulik and Hain found a cast of real-world misfits united by their love of metal and the garb and highs that went with it. We knew people like this existed, says Hain, but we'd never seen them all in one place, with everybody behaving a peculiar way and wearing a three-fourth t-shirt, and rocking a mullet. There's the cherub, who just after announcing herself as 13 years old, shouted making out with a self-described 20-year-old ale-sauce who bragged he ready for a can of Budweiser in one hand, and the poor underage lass in the other and the shirtless 17-year-old central-casting stoner, who introduces himself as Graham, as in Graham of Dope. At a time when much of the nation was embracing President Reagan's just-say-no puritanism, Graham of Dope tells the camera that drugs should be legalized. A drug buddy standing beside him agrees, while making the brilliant period piece observation that for all the laws against dope the parking lot on this day held enough burnouts to go hands across america and the barefoot girl in a long white dress who qualifies of as the bell of this dirt ball ball bragging in front of her high school pals that a boo-boo on her knee came from sex in the parking lot. Don't ever get it in a car, she says, then yells out, Metallica! When we caught up with the dressed-up delinquent, now known as Sherry Steinbacher of Springfield, Virginia, to ask if that scream indicated she thought she was at a Metallica show, Yes, she thought she was at a Metallica show. The consensus MVP of HMPL, however, was the kid in the zebra-striped jumpsuit so eager to spew bile against non-metal acts of the day. Madonna, she's a dick. And I don't really give a shit about that kind of punk fuck. That he slams himself in the mouth with a microphone while spewing. Hence the birth 
of the underground rock legend known as Zebra Man. This, as far as I am aware, was never the sequel to Condor Man. I always wondered if Zebra Man had any idea that he was famous. Maybe try to, like, make your head spin around, because I guess that's what they do, like, the movies. One of many rock and roll you know, life. Do, like, an But I'm not a demon, so can I exorcist, exercise a ghost, even though I'm not a demon? Because, like, I don't think demons exist. I haven't seen any. So many people in rock and roll. Oh, I'm just gonna sit here and do it when I do it. Crazy shit, Mr. Bates. That he's Zebra Man. A legitimate superhero. We tracked down Zebra Man, too. He's a plumber outside Baltimore now. And asked those very questions. Spoiler alert. He kind of knows. At the time the movie was made, those outside the metal realm could be both entertained and appalled that Gram of Dope, Zebra Man, and all of HMPL's other zonked-out characters really existed. Three decades later, even the folks in the movie have trouble believing this was really the way they were. Before Beavis and Butthead, says Gram of Dope, we were Beavis and Butthead. Neither Jeff Krulik nor John Hayne has ever met Judas Priest. Not once. Not a single member. Shockingly, not even Rob Halford's member. We've never heard from their lawyers either, says Krulik. So we're okay with that. At the time they made the movie that forever linked him and Hain to Judas Priest, Krulik worked for Metrovision, the cable provider for Prince George's County, Maryland. He started there in 1983 as a door-to-door -door salesman. I signed up Len Bias's family to cable, Krulik says. For the uninitiated, Len Bias was Michael Jordan if Michael Jordan died before turning pro. In 1986, Krulik had worked his way up to manager of Channel 6A, the country's access channel. The job put professional video cameras and sound recording gear at his disposal. Hain had studied film at Northwestern University, but was spending his days making VHS copies of industrial movies at Ari Gem, a videotape duplication facility in Texas. That's what Michelinox asked to work together after a story. Maybe Michelinox planned to shoot a documentary. And one who knew about the best of both worlds. Sushi Hintops Masturbation. Wayne's World style musical show taped in the Access Channel studio featuring local freak rockers Butch Willis and The Rocks. They wanted to stick with rock and roll for the second outing. Haynes suggested they show up before a concert and just work with whatever they find in the parking lot. They had no particular band in mind, Krulik says, 
but Judas Priest Turbo Tour was coming up at the Capital Center. Krulik and Hain weren't priest or metal fans. Their musical taste leaned more to New Wave, but they'd seen enough kids with mullets and black t-shirts at the mall to surmise that the band would attract an interesting demographic. John had the idea, and I had the equipment, Krulik says. Isn't that how it always goes? I could have been any concert. It was just random good luck that it was Judas Priest. They were the perfect band, clearly an iconic metal band, that to this day really defines that era and the genre. But again, that was just luck. America's relationship with metal and metal fans' passion for Judas Priest were in flux when Heavy Metal Parking Lot was shot. The mockumentary This Is Spinal Tap had come out in 1984, but posted only middling box office numbers. Lots of grown-ups weren't in on the joke and still thought of metal as the devil's music. Old people, you finally got something right. Events that helped put Priest at the forefront of metal and ultimately helped give their rock dock long legs were happening around the time of the band's appearance in Landover. In the summer of 1985, the band came under attack from the Parents Music Resource Center the anti-rock coffee clatch of Washington wives, led my future second lady, Tipper Gore. PMRC put Eat Me Alive, a song from Priest's 1984 LP, Defenders of the Faith, on its roster of most offensive tunes, dubbed the Filthy Fifteen at the time. Gore told a scared nation that the lyrics described forced oral sex at gunpoint. She may have been right, but all she did was play to priest's bass. To tweak Tipper, the band put a tune called Parental Guidance on the follow-up LP Turbo, the record Priest was promoting when their 1986 tour hit the D.C. area. A less giggly episode, which also brought Priest national attention and heightened the band's fearsome aura and the metalhead's ardor, happened in December of 1985, just a matter of months before Krulik and Hain descended upon the Capitol Center parking lot. Two obsessive fans of the band in Reno, Nevada, shot themselves in the head of the parking lot of a church. The families of the suicide victims, 18-year-old Raymond Belknap and James Vance, 20, sued the band, claiming the kids were driven to act because of subliminal messages they claimed the band was sending out through its recordings. The complaint alleged that back-masked recordings of the phrases "'Try suicide!' Let's Be Dead, and Do It, were planted on the 1978 Priest LP Stained Class. Judge Jerry Carr Whitehead, the federal magistrate, hearing the non-Jerry civil case, 
initially and bizarrely ruled that language deemed subliminal wasn't protected by the First Amendment. Bill Kerbishley, priest's manager, denied that any secret messages were on that album or any others. If priests were to play the mind games they were accused of, I'd be saying, buy seven copies, Kerbishley said during the trial, not telling a couple of screwed-up kids to kill themselves. Judge Carr ultimately dismissed the suit, but the affair immortalized the band's dangerousness and guaranteed several generations of adolescents would flock to its music like moths to a flame or perverts to a sex club, among them the soon-to-be-immortal teens who congregated in Landover, Maryland. Hain and Krulik didn't hold any lengthy pre-production meetings or storyboarding sessions in the days leading up to the concert. There was no strategy at all other than just show up and roll tape. The shoot started poorly. The first few interviews were held up by their attempts to explain who they were and why they were taping. We had a pretty strict time limitations because of sunlight and showtime, says Hain. We're carrying a big camera and a bigger tape deck and a bigger something else with an umbilical cable connecting the camera and deck. We started off saying we're from Channel 6A and that got no response or them telling us they weren't interested. They thought camera battery life would become an issue too. Weighing most heavily on the movie makers, Hain and Krulik had scheduled a double date for later that night to go see Jane Mansfield and Little Richard's pioneering 1956 rock film, The Girl Can't Help It, at an art house theater. So they began lying to the kids. Well, whatever happens next... I do hope it involves more lying to more children. Please continue watching and enjoying the complete restoration of Heavy Metal Parking Lot, provided by Montgomery Video and Mortgage in Montgomery, Ohio. I'll be back to finish the liner notes at a later time when it is most applicable to the situation. Goodbye. Can ghosts masturbate? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll try that tonight. Are there ghost vibrators? Ugh, At least I can still get on Twitter. Follow me at... Sarah Ethel Koenig. I'm still doing my podcast, by the way, so you can just follow Serial on Twitter. Serial. Serial. Today on Serial. Cleveland sucks. And we're going to go and see how much Cleveland is just down the shitter. Their court system is lame and stupid. Can I still podcast as a ghost? I think I can. Follow me 
and listening on Serial every week on NPR. <coughs> Fuck you, my Delaney. Fuck you. You suck. Oh shit, what's up, Veronica? Did you get shanked too? Girl, I'm not even mad that you shanked me. I'm just glad for the company. Do you want to go haunt the mall? Here there's a really good sale over at Forever 21. And since we're ghosts, we are Forever 21, girl. Let's do this. You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network.